Lord, we're going to talk today about another unsung hero in the Bible by the name of Jephthah. J-E-P-H-T-H-A-H. The P-H makes an F sound. Jephthah. Let's look at the text up here. And let's look at what we can learn from the original comeback kid. Because that's who Jephthah is. Now, Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother, uh-oh, was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. And here's what they said to him, you're not going to get any of our father's inheritance, for you are the son of a prostitute. We got Old Testament discrimination going on here, big time. He had nothing to do with the way he was conceived, and yet they're rejecting him for it. You're the son of a prostitute, son of a hooker. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. Now if we stop right there and don't go on in the story, we think, well, there's a guy that didn't get a very good shake in life, born of a prostitute, and now he's surrounded by a bunch of worthless men. So surely he didn't amount to anything. But we're going to find different. And what Jephthah did, I want to become a part of us because he rose above his circumstances. Amen? And so can you. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for the story of Jephthah. Thank you for what we're going to learn from his life. And I pray that people who are allowing circumstances to take them down or allowing criticisms to define them will rise up like he did and become a champion instead. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart. In Jesus' name today. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen, you're going to need this by tomorrow morning. <laughs> and last night we had a great service in Saturday night church. Uh, it's, it's well attended and uh, it's growing, we're growing, and I just want to kind of toss that out, that if you want to take a Sunday off sometime, Saturday night is happening, and it's happening well, 6 o'clock. We're out by 7.10, you got your whole Saturday night, and all the next morning. There you go. All right, now, we've been looking for several weeks now at unsung heroes, the sort of the minor players on the pages of Scripture, not the front burner people, that we all recognize, but the back burner people. You've likely never heard a message about Jephthah, probably for sure, not like what I'm going to be sharing with you today. He is yet another unsung hero, somebody that uh, we don't know a whole lot about. And he's kind of tucked away in the shadows of Old Testament history. But this man has an incredible testimony. And just for the record, you should know that he's also in the New Testament mentioned once. And we find him in Faith's Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11, where the Holy Ghost led the writer of Hebrews to name names of people who had walked in faith and done exploits for God in the Old Testament. Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter because it majors on faith. And by trusting God and obeying Him, the people named in it 
did great exploits for the Lord and moved mountains. Well, as a matter of fact, let me just read it to you. Verses 32 to 34, Hebrews 11 says, What more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, not Obama, And I do encourage you to go to our website and look at our official response to President Obama's uh, proclamation on same-sex marriage. I would encourage you to go there, click on it, and you will see a response from yours truly. All right. Now, here's a, he goes on and names more, Samson, Jephthah, there he is. Right there in between Samson and look who comes after him. David and Samuel and the prophets. So the Holy Spirit put this man's name in between some great notables in the Old Testament. And then he tells us, the Holy Spirit does, what they did. He says they conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, that had to be Daniel, quenched the power of fire, that had to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning fiery oven. They escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness they were made strong, and they became mighty in war, and they put foreign armies to flight. What a list of accomplishments. What an amazing statement. These men who operate, and women who operated in the power of faith in God. There is no greater power than faith in God. Our God is a prayer answering God. He's a mountain moving God. So there you have it. Jephthah made it into the Faith Hall of Fame chapter. And uh, so let's look at what the Holy Spirit intended for us to get out of his life. Now the background of his story begins in Judges 10, and Judges is a, not a, a real uh, uh, upbeat book because in Judges it's just a record of the continual chronic backslidings of God's people. They would backslide. They'd go into idolatry. The Lord would let them get oppressed by a foreign army. They would repent. God would send a deliverer. They'd get delivered. When the deliverer died, they would backslide again. So it was backsliding, suffer, repent, deliverance, backslide, suffer, repent, deliverance, on and on all the way through the book of Judges. It's a grim book, but we find now in Judges 10, it begins to tell us the background of Jephthah. Israel had sinned against God again, and as punishment, God had allowed them to come under the oppression of the Ammonites. The Midianites attacked them in Judges. The Ammonites, it was always some ites of one kind or another. And their suffering brought them to their senses, just like the prodigal son who got in that pig pen in the far country and woke up one day and it says he came to his senses and said, what am I doing? This isn't worth it. My father's house was better than this. And he repented. God has his own pig pens today. And he has his whale's bellies. And if you backslide away from him, he has a way of weaving you into a corner and allowing just enough pressure to come on you where you realize, hey, this isn't worth it. My father's house was better than this. And so that's what Israel did. And it says that the Israelites pleaded with the Lord. And I get a kick out of this. This is, I think, 
God's sense of humor, the way they prayed. You might recognize this. It says, they said to God, we have sinned, punish us as you see fit, only not today. (laughs) Punish us as you see fit, but rescue us today. Well, that would have to be a real quick punishment because they want to be punished and rescued in the same day. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and they served the Lord and he was grieved by their misery. He felt their pain. And I want to tell you today, the Lord is grieved at your pain, grieved at your suffering. If you're suffering, the Lord knows all about it. He's not off flinging other stars into space or only focusing on a few select saints. God feels your suffering today. He was grieved by their misery. And following their prayer, the children of Israel made a vow. You've got to be careful what you vow because God will come collecting. They made a vow to the Lord. It says in verse 18, the leaders of Gilead said to each other, whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. In their desperation, they vowed that whoever would lead them to victory, they would make him head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. That would be their king. Whoever led them in victory would become their king. The Israelites needed a leader to help them defeat the Ammonites, but they had no candidate for the job. Now here's the irony of this. The candidate they needed was right under their nose. For the Bible says that Jephthah became a great warrior. But as we read at the beginning, he wasn't even considered for the job because of his background. They discriminated against him for something he had no control over. His mother had been a prostitute. This wasn't his fault. He had nothing to do with that. He didn't have a thing to do with how he came into the world. None of us do. Yet nevertheless, he was held in contempt for how he was conceived, and he was cast out by his stepmother and half-brothers. And it was cruel. Let me read again what they said to him. They chased Jephthah off the land. That means they physically intimidated and pushed him out. They chased him. This was a strong rejection. They said, you're not going to get any of our father's inheritance because you're the son of a prostitute. Wow, that stings. That hurts. And I'm so glad that God tells us the truth about the heroes that are in the pages of Scripture. Because we need to see that here is a man who as a child experienced incredible pain and rejection. Rather than embracing him like his family should have, I mean, it wasn't his fault. They they should have said, hey, you're one of us. You're our half-brother. We love you. We receive you. Let's live life together. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that at all. Hey, here comes the son of a hooker. Can you hear him? I know kids. Kids can be cruel. The jokes about his mother had to have abounded. We know about your mother. We know how you got here. You're the son of a hooker, the son of a prostitute. Your mother was a prostitute, a woman of the street, and therefore you're no good. You're the son of a bad seed, born under a bad sign. He was viewed and judged through the lens of his father's immorality. He was the byproduct of sin, the offspring of his dad's mistake, the son of a mistake. Here comes the son of a mistake. 
That stings. That hurts. Day after day, he had to endure the sting of mockery, the judgmental glance that always came his way when he entered a room, the muffled, snickering people making jokes behind his back, looking his way. We all know the feeling. Happens a lot to a lot of people all the time. You make a mistake, you do something wrong, then you're the brunt of people's jokes and you know they're talking about you. You can feel it emanating from them and it stings. And so here, once again, we have in the Bible a future champion, a future hero who was faced with a decision and, and here's why he matters. He's faced with a decision that every one of us have been faced with and will be faced with in life because life is not fair, not all the time. It is not always fair. There are times that somebody's going to do you wrong, do you dirty. You're going to get the bad end of a deal. You're going to be treated unfairly. I love this statement, life's not fair, but God is good. And you got to remember that second part, when life is not fair. And so he was faced with a decision. Here was the decision. How am I going to respond in my heart? How am I going to respond to these negatives, to these demeaning circumstances, to what is being said about me, the way I'm being viewed, the way I'm being judged? How am I as a person going to respond to this? How am I going to let this affect me? Well, I know people, and I know what he could have done. He could have become very bitter. And he would have been sort of justified in doing so. He could have let these things create within him the character of a criminal. It happens all the time. Here's what some criminals say. Well, you, you say that I'm a bad person? Then I'll go ahead and be a bad person. If I'm so bad, I might as well be bad. You're a child and somebody says something about you. You're a bad seed. You're, you're, you're kind of dumb. You're kind of stupid. You don't have much potential. I think you're going to end up going wrong. And you say to yourself, well, if somebody said that about me, I might as well go wrong. I might as well let them define me. I might as well accept that self-fulfilling prophecy. People do it all the time. He could have lashed out at the world in anger. He could have had a chip on his shoulder the size of a two-by-four. And, and we could have kind of understood that. He could have, as I've seen so many people do, he could have squandered his life away in a bottle or some other self-destructive kind of behavior. People do it all the time. Blamed it all on his painful past. He could have picked up that bottle with one hand and the violin with the other and made his own country song. Nobody knows the way my mama kicked me in the street, the way my brothers rejected me. He could have played. He could have written his own country song. And he could have lived life blaming his habits on the way he was treated. People do it all the time. Why are you living this way? Well, and they'll immediately rehearse to you what happened to them in their past and blame their past on their present. And that's what they do. But what I like about Jephthah, he did not do this. Jephthah didn't do it. Instead, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, brushed away the cobwebs of painful memories. And here's what I like about him. Jephthah decided to become a mighty warrior. Now catch this, this reject, 
This, this young man who was, was called the, the son of a prostitute and kicked out from his home and rejected and slandered and defamed, he made a decision that doesn't make sense. Instead of going bad, instead of wallowing in it, he decided that he would become a mighty warrior. I can't tell you how that encourages me because here's what it teaches me. Jephthah decided that he did not have to become a victim, the victim of negative circumstances. And neither do you. Do you know that God never created one of us to become a victim? You're not a victim. And I wish that I could tell our country that is now wallowing in and drowning in a culture of victimhood. Everybody's offended about something. Have you noticed that in the news? Everybody's playing a violin. Everybody's enraged about how they've been treated or going on about how they've been discriminated against. And there is this, there is, there is the, all these subgroups in our culture that are continually going on and on about how they've been treated unfairly and things aren't fair and our country's not fair and people aren't fair. And, and can I say, I wish that we could just get over it. Just get over it. Because life's not fair to all of us at one time or another. No, there's something better that you can do. He did not become bitter. He did not drown himself in a bottle. He said, I'm going to become a mighty warrior. Anybody in here want to be a warrior? Anybody in here want to be mighty? I love Luke. Luke 180 and Luke 240. Those two verses tell us that John the Baptist and Jesus both grew mighty in their spirits. That's the way they grew up. Mighty in their spirits. I want to be mighty in my spirit. I want to look like Hercules on the inside. I want to be mighty in the things of God. Am I talking to anybody that feels that way today? Amen. Our country focuses so much on the physical. You got those abs, you got, are you built, are you, have you lost weight, are you looking good? Man, are you looking good? All I want to know is, are you looking good? But here's what God wants to know. How are you looking on the inside? Are you looking mighty on the inside? Are you walking with God on the inside? Are you walking in love, joy, and peace on the inside? Physical exercise is good for a few things, but godliness is good for all things. Going all the way into life eternal, the Bible says. I want to know, are you walking in victory in Jesus? Are you walking in victory over temptation? Are you a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God? Let's get mighty in the things of the Spirit. And so Jephthah said, I'm not going to let what my stepmother said. I'm not going to let what my stepbrothers said. I'm not going to let them define me down, I am making a quality decision that I'm going to be mighty. I'm going to be mighty. And here's what he believed. We are the products of our own decisions, not our environment. You are today what you have decided to be. You are who you have allowed yourself to become. You are the sum total of the decisions you've made in life and so am I. I am not the product of my environment. I am the product of my choices, and so are you. In a few weeks, I'm going to preach a high school graduation, and this is exactly what I'm going to tell them. You are not the product of a bad home. 
You are not the product of a good home. You are not the product of what people have done to you or for you. You are the product of your own choices. You are not a victim. You are not to be victimized by your environment. But you are, you are the result of the choices you make, what you decide you're going to be. And that's good news. Because I can say to a critic, criticize me all day long, but you're not shaping me because I am going to become who I decide to be. It's my choice. Now, what I like about Jephthah is against all odds, he decided to become a warrior and a winner. He said, I don't care what they've said. I'm going to be a warrior and I'm going to be a winner. But he went one step further and he became a hero maker. Now, here we move into mentoring. Because the Bible tells us that as soon as he was kicked out, and he went into the land of Tob, wherever that is. I don't think it's there anymore. It says soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. These worthless men, what the Bible calls worthless men, saw a reject. Saw a man kicked out of his own home, kicked out of his town, driven out, chased out. And they said, that's our kind of guy. But they didn't realize that something was operating in Jephthah's soul that was not operating in theirs at that point. Here was a man who said, though I have been kicked out, I believe that God has received me. And I'm going to become what God wants me to be, not what they've told me I am. And so these men, worthless rebels, it says, followed him, began to hang around with him, began to get around him and follow him into his different exploits. And it's important to understand that the word worthless here is from a Hebrew, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, worthless is translated from a word that really means empty. So we could change this verse, and it goes like this, that soon he had a band of empty rebels following him. What does that mean? Empty pockets, empty souls. These were men who had empty souls, began to follow him. And our world is full of people like that. Empty pockets because they have empty souls. They have nothing. They have none of the life of God. They don't know God. They're doing the best they can with what they've got, but they're empty. Our streets are full of them. Homes are full of them. Your neighbors are that way. Your coworkers are that way. There are people all around you who are just like these men. Soon he had a band, a band of worthless, empty-hearted rebels following him. And they began to hang around with him. And they went out with him not to rob and plunder and do things wrong, but by making excursions into the enemy's country and carrying off the enemy's treasure. Here's what that tells us about Jephthah. He took these men, not just himself, he didn't just say, I'm going to be a champion myself. I'm going to be an overcomer myself. I am going to be a warrior myself. But he said, not only that, I'm going to bring people with me. What God does in me, I'm going to give it to other people. You know, you can't give what you don't have, but you can certainly give what you do have. And when God does something in your life and in my life, I learned a long time ago, he doesn't just do it for me. He does it for the people he knows are in my orbit, and he intends for what he does in me to spill over into them. See, not only should we make it to heaven, we ought to have a line of people behind us who we, we, we persuaded to go there with us. Not only should we walk in the blessing of God, we ought to have a line of people behind us who we persuaded to come with us into the blessing of God. We need 
the blessing of God and those that are around us need what God has done in us. Can I, can I just get you to pull your head out of the sand and look around you? Who is in my life? And then think, what has God done in me? I'm going to share with them what God has done for me. I once was lost, but I can tell you now I'm found. I used to be all chained up in sin, but the Lord Jesus snapped those chains and set me free. And he can do the same thing for you. I used to be empty in my soul, but now I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I want you to have the same thing. Give it away. You're contagious. Amen. Now, what I notice is Jephthah taught them how to fight and how to defeat their enemies. They went into the enemy's country and carried off the enemy's treasure. He took this band of misfits and turned them into warriors just like him. Jephthah discipled them into greatness for the purpose of a great hour. See, none of these men, when they approached Jephthah the very first time, here they are, empty, worthless rebels walking around, no life, no meaning, no purpose, and they hang around with Jephthah. Here's a guy who has decided to become a champion. And they started hanging around with him. They had no idea that this was a key man. Think of it being Jesus. This was a key man. And he was called to an hour and to a work and to a purpose to set Israel free. And so when they got with him, they had no idea that in getting with him, he was going to train them to play a part in an amazing victory, an amazing move of God. Church, can I tell you, you are not here by mistake. Let me prophesy to you a little bit right now. God has his hand on you. He's got his hand on me. He's got his hand on us. You see this woman on the screen? She's just an example of what God is going to do all over the world. Together, we're going to slay some giants. Together, we're going to see some people set free. Together, we're going to see the Lord glorified in the earth. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? It's true. They, uh, they could never have foreseen that the day would come that we're about to read about. So just keep that in mind. They had no idea what God was doing with them until the hour arrived. Here's where Jephthah reminds me of Jesus. I got to say this. He looks like Jesus in the way he got these men around him and made them into champions. Jesus gathered around himself 12 men. These 12 men were simple blue-collar workers who had only primarily known the trade of fishing. And Jesus said, follow me and I'm going to change your life. Follow me and I'm going to make you something you'd have never been without me. Follow me and I'm going to transform you. Instead of fishing for fish, you're going to fish for men. I'm going to let you shake the world. I've got my hand on you. You don't see what I see, but you need to believe that I see something you don't see. And can I tell you, church, when God looks at you and me right now, he doesn't see what we see in the mirror. God sees what we're going to be. He sees the way he's going to use us in the end times. He sees what we don't see. He sees that he's going to make us into something we would not have been. He's going to transform us and allow us to be a part of what he's doing. And that is exciting to me. Jephthah poured his life into these empty men who had no future, and he gave them a future. They had no dream. He gave them a dream. They had no self-respect. He gave them self-respect. 
He gave them a purpose, something to live for that was noble, and he became their leader. And here he is. He's plundering the enemy's camps. He's carrying off the enemy's treasure. All the while, his men are learning. These rebels, these empty-hearted, what the Bible says, worthless rebels, they're watching, they're learning, they're following. They have no idea the hour they're headed for. And as time passed, Jephthah's reputation as a warrior and a leader grew. And as God would have it, his military exploits ultimately caught the attention of the very people he had been rejected by. I love God's sense of humor. Because you see, Israel was still under the threat of the Ammonites, and they still had no champion who could lead them in victory against the Ammonites. And one of those great ironies of life, they breathed deep, and they said, we've got to do it. And they came crawling back to the very man they had spurned. Listen to what the Bible says about it. About this time when the Ammonites were attacking Israel, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah. The elders said, come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. I can just hear Jephthah. Say what? <laughs> Say what? The irony of this was not lost on Jephthah. In verse 7, it says, Jephthah said to them, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you the ones who hated me? I can just see him kind of digging this, kind of liking this, because some time has gone by. He's great now. He's a champion now. He's a winner now. And they're all oppressed. He says, aren't you the ones that hated me? And aren't you the ones that drove me out of my father's house? Aren't you the ones that called me the son of a prostitute? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? There's a lesson here. Be careful who you kick out. You may need them in a big way later. The Gileadites were forced to eat a big hot steaming bowl, not of wolf brand chili, but warm crow. <laughs> Having kicked him out, they're now begging him to return. All oh, the ways of God, the wisdom of God, the purposes of God, the ways of God. Jephthah agreed to their request on one condition. I'll do it if you make me your ruler, make me your king. I'll deliver you. They said, you got it. So soon, God gave Jephthah victory over the Ammonites. The Bible says, gives us a key as to how this man did what he did all through his life. It says at that time, when he got his men together, the former misfits, now a great army, he gathers them together and says, let's go get the Ammonites. And at that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. That tells me how this man overcame all the circumstances, all the negatives, all the rejection, all the pain. He did it not by might. He did it not by power. He did it by the Spirit of the Lord. Church, let me tell you something. No greater gift has ever been given to the church than the Spirit of the living God. Because the Spirit of the Lord on him. The Spirit of the Lord was on him. And the Spirit of the Lord is what made him great. The Bible says, I can do all three things. How? Through Christ, who strengthens me. Now the Bible goes on to tell of Jephthah's victory. He went throughout the land of Gilead and throughout the land of Manasseh. And from there he led an army against the Ammonites. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites and the Lord. Now listen to this. The Lord gave him the victory. Not himself, 
not his own strength, not his own brains, not his own IQ. The Lord, by the Spirit of the Lord, gave him the victory. Now I want to draw two great lessons from his life as we close today. Here's the first one, very, very important. The world's rejection does not mean God's rejection. The way people do you, you should not extrapolate that into, this is God doing this to me. If the world rejects you, let me tell you about God. God has received you. God loves you. And if the world puts you out, it can be a mom, it can be a dad, it can be a brother, a sister, a dear friend. Life contains rejection. Because we live in a fallen world. Relationships fall apart. We do not act like God. We act like fleshly people. So we're going to experience rejection, being turned aside, being betrayed sometimes. And don't say, well, because they did that, it must be God, even if it's the church. Because the church can reject you and the church can be dead wrong. There are people all over this city today, not in church, because they got hurt in church. But you should not say, well, the church hurt me, so God hurt me. No, if the church does wrong, God didn't do it. God only does what is right and good. And Jephthah, Jephthah had to decide, well, am I going to let, am I going to believe that what my mom did and my brothers did, am I going to believe that that was an expression of God towards me? And he said, I don't believe it. I believe that God has something for me that was not communicated through them. God has a call on me. He's called me to be a champion. Church, God's got a call on you. He hadn't called you to be a victim. He hasn't called you to be beat down by circumstances. He hasn't called you to be marginalized. He has called you to be a winner. He has called you to be a warrior. He has called you to be more than a conqueror through him who loves you. God has a purpose for you and for me. So Jephthah decided what they did was not an expression of God's heart towards me. As a matter of fact, can I tell you that God loves raising up people who are rejected by others. The Bible says, Christian brothers, think who you were when the Lord called you. Not many of you were wise, not many powerful, not many born into families of leaders of a country, but God has chosen, listen to what he says now, what the world calls foolish to shame the wise. He has chosen what the world calls weak to shame what is strong. He has chosen what is hated and what is unknown to destroy the things the world trusts in. Do you hear those, those words, those adjectives, the foolish, the weak, the hated, and the unknown. God loves putting his hand on people like that, just like Jephthah, just like you, just like me, and raising us up so that nobody can take glory for what God does. We may come from a very difficult and painful past. Some of you in here today were abused. You were treated badly. You were damaged in your soul. You were hurt. You went through things that nobody should have to go through. Some of you. Some of you have been rejected by your family. Some of you can't communicate with members of your own family. Some of you were turned aside by friends. Some of you were rejected by spiritual leadership somewhere along the way. But God has a way. I love God's way. He says, when they put you out, 
I bring you in. When they walk out, I walk in. When somebody does you wrong, I'm going to scoop you up in my hands and I'm going to bring healing to you. Listen, Satan never trumps God. Never. If you're a child of God and you've been hurt, hang on, trust him, get into the word, stay in prayer, stay in church, stay in fellowship, because although there's been weeping for a night, joy is going to come in the morning because Jesus was anointed to bind up the broken in heart and to heal the one that is bruised. No matter how you've been treated by others, God loves you. Secondly, we can rise above our circumstances. I'm going to tell you, you can rise above your circumstances. I don't care how tough they are, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are not to be victims of circumstances. We are products of our own personal choices. You never have to be a victim. You're not a victim. You are the anointed of the Lord. You are the redeemed of God. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. The Bible says that you are the Lord's. You are the apple of his eye. You are not a victim. You are a winner because a winner lives in you. You can let ne negative circumstances shape you or you can receive what God says about you. Be very careful what or who you allow to define you. Some of you have been defined by failure. You failed and you have let that failure define you. And you will not move forward in all that God has for you because you say to yourself, I failed. And I failed big. And so I'm not going to go on with full confidence because of what I did in the past. You can let mistakes define you. You can let what people have said about you define you. But Jephthah did not do that. Jephthah said, yeah, my mama, she rejected me. Yeah, my brothers, they rejected me. But my God accepted me. And I'm not going to let what they said, son of a hooker, son of a prostitute, that's not who I am. I am a champion. I am a winner. I am a warrior. And I am going to be used by God. And so God laid his hand on him, and he became the deliverer of an entire tribe of Israel because he refused to receive the defining of the world. Whose report will you believe today about you, your critics or your savior, your circumstances or your Christ, the word of others or the word of God? I encourage you, look up and let the Lord be the one who defines you. Can we stand today? When I came to the Lord, I thought this much of me, I'm being honest with you, I had zero confidence. Zero. When the Lord called me to preach, I couldn't believe it, and I didn't think anybody would ever want to hear it. And that's the truth. But here's what God did. He brought into my life people who said, I see a preacher in you. You've got a gracing to do what you do. You ought to be speaking the word. When you speak, people listen. They say that to me. And I like hearing you. They would say these things to me. And believe me, it wasn't puffing my ego because I didn't have one. I would say, really? And here's what happened. God sent anointed definers into my life who defined me up instead of down. And one day I woke up and I believed it. 
And then he couldn't shut me up. Because I woke up and I believed it. I said, it's true. But it took quite some time to convince me. Can I convince you today? You're not this big. Greater is he that is in you. God's got his hand on your life. Let's pray. Can you bow with me in prayer? Lord, I pray that today as Jephthah did, what a great testimony from this unsung hero. Thank you, Lord God, that he did not receive the world's definition of him, but he embraced your call and he became a mighty man. Thank you, Lord, that he did not assume that the way people felt towards him is the way you felt towards him. And with your heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, today, I need the very same thing Jephthah did. I need that God confidence. And I want to begin to receive the Lord's defining of me and not the world's. Would you slip your hand up? And I want to pray for you today many of you beat down you feel beat down listen that's not God's will for you father I pray for every person here all over this sanctuary I pray that they will begin to receive your defining of them for you are our definer thank you Lord for speaking to us and helping us in Thank you for the story of Jephthah and the encouragement. Now with your heads bowed, I want to do something. Some of you don't have a home church. Some of you have been visiting around, maybe visiting here for a little bit, but you don't have one. In the first two services, this is service number three right here. I gave an invitation for people who need a church home. Because something happens when you commit and you get really planted in a church home. You may have been hurt in the past. And you might have even said to yourself, well, once burned, twice careful, I'll never commit to a church again. That was not a good conclusion. God wants you to be a part of a body. 